Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you know you're all American. Oh, I can do it now. Yeah. I can do it now. Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't hate no man. Chad. You know I got to do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's, that's. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. And now, your host, Chad Welcome to the Wednesday edition, the Gridiron Stud Show, recruiting roundtable edition of the Gridiron Stud Show, where we talk all recruiting all the time for the next hour plus here, I guess. We'll stray over an hour, but we'll talk all recruiting, as I will have several guests on the show tonight, six of them to be exact, Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com, Woody Womack from Rivals.com, Greg Biggins from Scout.com. Ryan Bartow from 247 Sports, Bill Green also from Scout, and Corey Bender from Scout.com. We'll have them all on the show today, and uh, they will. we will talk some recruiting, talk about some college soon-to-be college athletes in their areas, as well as how some of, the, uh, some of your favorite college football teams are doing on the recruiting trail as we do every Wednesday on the uh, Recruiting Roundtable show, Wednesday night edition. Kind of like doing these Wednesday night shows. Nevertheless, uh, I could spend an entire day watching the uh, Drake videos that have been put up here. You can never tell what is going to take off on social media. Who knew Drake making a very simple video would turn into all of this? Video after video after video. Everyone trying to outdo the next. I've had a chance to see Drake play tennis today, throw toppings on a pizza, and smack Nicki Minaj's rear end. The creativity is out of control, and you just don't know what's going to come up next. Before I lay my head on my pillow tonight, there's going to be another one. Very, very funny. But uh, let's stick to recruiting. Uh, One of the things that often come up, in the recruiting uh, talk, the recruiting roundtable amongst parents that really 
uh, kind of gets up under their skin is the whole uh, eyeball test. Parents want to know why the tall guy, the big guy, the uh, muscle guy is the one getting all the offers, despite how he looks on the actual playing field. Yeah, it happens. You get a really tall athlete with uh, an ungodly amount of offers and not necessarily that good of an actual player on the high school football field, getting outworked and uh, out-techniqued and just beat in his one-on-one matchups with guys considerably smaller and so on and so forth. And that really drives some parents, players, coaches crazy because you may have a quote-unquote undersized player on your team that is just really getting the job done on the football field. And in your mind and eyes, he is worthy of college football scholarship offers similar to that of the six foot four guy. And it's really a tough pill to swallow for many parents, players, and coaches. It drives them nuts. And uh, there are many reasons why this exists. You know, it has kind of always existed, but it's been uh, accelerated, exacerbated uh, over the last couple of decades in college football. And I will attempt in the short time that I have here before i got to go to a break and start bringing the uh, recruiting reporters on, attempt to explain why this is the case. I don't know that I could hit on all the factors, but we'll talk about some of the main ones. Uh, starting around the time that I, I completed college football, was 1994, the NCAA started putting in a number of measures to quote-unquote protect players, um, preserve the whole student-athlete thing, and one of those was limiting the amount of time that the coaches could spend with the players. Started coming up with a 20-hour rule. And what that 20-hour rule means, obviously, is you've got less time to work and develop players. That is the case for a lot of the colleges. Not all of them. You know, the really good places uh, tend to strike the right amount of balance between developing their players and also having them have adequate knowledge of the schemes they want to execute on game day. Other colleges will totally ignore technique and player development, focus more on recruiting and getting the best athletes possible so that they can devote the majority of their 20 hours a week to having the player learn the particular scheme that they want to run. And with that being the case, and with more and more limitations being placed in that area for the college football coaches, uh, there is this emphasis now on getting, like I said, the best athletes possible. And what does that mean? Is that when you head out on the recruiting trail, you want the six foot three receiver over the five foot ten receiver, because in the mind's eye of those college coaches, we're going to have to do a lot of de- more development on a five foot ten receiver than a six foot three receiver, because in the event that we are not able to do a whole bunch of development. Our six foot three guy can just win on the fact that he's six foot three. Uh, is this faulty thinking? Probably, because if you're not doing any player development, whether that guy's six foot three or five foot ten, it's not going to matter. Football is a big game of technique. However, sometimes 
you can just went on on being an athlete. That can happen. Might not consistently happen. But if you get locked up in a 28-28 game and you throw a ball up, a prayer up in the corner of the end zone and there's a 5 foot 10 or 11 cornerback on a 6 foot 3, 6 foot 4 receiver, you're going to have some times where that 6 foot 3, 6 foot 4 receiver wins on being 6-3-6-4. And a lot of coaches will a great emphasis on that. We just want to out-athlete a guy because I'm not sure we're going to have enough time to teach five foot eleven guy how to win in these crucial situations that we're going to come down to in our conference games and in our bowl games and in the very important games against the rivals. You know, those games that really, really mean something on the schedule. That end, you know, coaches get sent out on a recruiting trail. They go to an area, and when they come back into that office, for the recruiting meeting after they've been out on the road and they're presenting what it is they've found out there, it is a whole lot more difficult for them to sit in that recruiting meeting. And it's almost like a show-and-tell. Just so imagine show-and-tell for you when you were in school, middle school, elementary school, and everyone's got to pull out what it is they brought for show-and-tell. And someone brings out a a gold medal won by their father or grandfather in the Olympics. And another person brings out some piece of uh, ingenuity that has everyone gasping. And you pull out, who knows? Who knows what it is you pull out? A pot and a pan. No one's getting excited and everyone's looking at you crazy. So think of a recruiting meeting like a big old show and tell is when you're in school. And so now it comes around to you, and they're asking you, Coach, what did you find when you went down there to Georgia? And you jump up and say, I've got this six-foot defensive end down there in Atlanta I think we need to get on. All the eyebrows are going to go up in the room. When you put that film in, Mr. Six-Foot Defensive End in Atlanta better be killing it. He better be absolutely dominating people. Because if he's not, the coach is going to want to know, what the hell are you doing with your time down in Atlanta? Atlanta's a happening town, coach. I hope you're not down there wasting our time. Because you were down there for a week, and you came back with a six-foot defensive end and a five-foot-nine wide receiver. And, you know, a six-foot-one right tackle. It's difficult for that position coach to sell to a coordinator, sell to the head coach, when they don't meet the dimensions. And in a lot of cases, the coaches are sent out with specific dimensions that the players need to have. Defensive coordinator will send a guy and say, hey, we need cornerbacks and we need six foot, we need six one guys here. We need long corners, they'll say. I get calls from college coaches with specifics. Not Coach, what defensive ends do you got? It's coach, I need I need tall guys. I need some I need a six foot four, six foot five defensive end, coach, what do you got? I get division two and FCS schools coming to me saying, Coach, I need six foot corners. I mean like they grow on trees. But they've been sent out with these specifics. And they need to come back with these specifics. No one wants to Listen, you get hired and fired now in college football 
based on your ability to recruit. That's what the game has become. This is not what it was when I was coming out in 1990 from high school. Your ability to coach and make players better was the basis by which you were hired and fired and maintained and all that. Oh, that's flipped now. It's come down to can you recruit? And for some of these FCS schools, it's can you go and bring us a guy that one of these FBS schools were trying to get? That's how you move up in the ranks. That's how you change your career path from FCS coach to FBS coach. So what does that mean? That means uh, you're going to buy. You're going to you're going to overlook the five foot ten wide receiver that's putting up numbers, so that you can nab the six foot two guy from Florida State. I took this six foot two wide receiver from Florida State. I totally flipped him around, and now I've got him coming to. Jacksonville University. Do that a couple of times. Now Florida State is calling you and wanting to get you from Jacksonville University to Florida State. So it is a tough deal for the undersized out there. I understand it. I get it. But please understand the dynamic that's working on the other side. And the other thing, too, is when you go to some of these camps, the ones put on by some of the companies, the writers that are going to be on my show today, uh, hail from, you know, when Rivals puts on a camp or Scout or 247 Sports is at a camp, man, they tend to gravitate to those those big guys. They tend to gravitate to the speedy guys. They're going to gravitate to the six foot four and six foot five defensive ends and the six foot six and six foot seven tackles. And they may not like me saying this, but those guys might not look that great in the one on one drills and so on and so forth. But by golly, you just can't ignore the six foot six guy. If you're those reporters, that kid's a six foot six sophomore, and you didn't talk to him, you didn't find out anything about him, you walked past him, and then somehow, some way, as a junior or senior, he becomes a monster, and you didn't do your homework. It's not looking good for you as that reporter, which would be the same thing for that college coach. God forbid that six foot six guy who didn't look really that great as a senior on the football field goes to Florida State, and you're a coach at Florida or Miami, and you decided to, look, you know, I'm based on his film, this guy doesn't look all that great. And he goes over to Florida State and becomes a monster. Man, are you going to look bad. So these college coaches will much rather take their chances with a kid that fits the dimensions and try to explain it away later. It's easier to explain Later on, if he doesn't turn out to be a player, that hey, look, man, look at the guy. Look, he was six foot six, two hundred seventy pounds. I mean, who wouldn't have picked him? Unfortunately, just didn't turn out to be that kind of guy. As opposed to, you took six foot one defensive end who was two hundred and forty pounds, and he didn't work out. Now, now you got a problem. Now you see that nice trip you take down to Miami every year and that's your recruiting area, you might lose that recruiting area. And no one wants to lose their South Florida recruiting area. Trust me on that one. So it is a tough deal. So if you're not, if you don't fit those dimensions, if you're not tall guy, you better be highly skilled, and you better be dominating, and you better be able to put some good film together. Because if you're out there just making routine tackles, and you know, you don't fit the bill dimension-wise. I'm telling you, it's going to be a, it's going to be tough for you to be going FBS, Power Five, all that. You just got to be realistic. 
And again, tough pill for a lot of parents to swallow. A lot of these kids were youth football stars, dominant. I see it down here in South Florida all the time. Guys killed it in youth football. Sometimes it's because they just happen to mature faster than the other guys. So they go to high school and they're not as dominant. But the memory is still of them being so dominant in youth football. When you first started dreaming up all these uh, images of them being a college football star one day. And the truth of the matter is when they went to high school, everyone kind of caught up. And they're not so dominant anymore and kind of wondering what went wrong. And again, tough pill to swallow. And so, if you take that example, kid was very dominant at the youth football level. Maybe he had a mustache on the 95s. He was just matured faster than the next guy. And then when he got to high school, when the stakes got raised in high school, wasn't so dominant. So some of these college coaches are thinking along those same lines. Okay, you're a pretty good player in high school. You're undersized. But, man, you may go to the college level, and now the fact that you are undersized becomes a problem. And they've got to forecast that. And they can't have too many of those kind of mistakes. A college football coach can't have too many of those mistakes. Maybe I can go in depth on a later show, maybe next week, as to how you can combat the fact that you're not a six foot four defensive end. Maybe you're six foot one. What can you do about that? So maybe we'll save that for the next show. But right now, I do need to take a break. When I get back, it's time to start talking college football recruiting. And first up is going to be Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com. He'll join us to talk Florida Gators recruiting. He'll be followed by Woody Womack from Rivals. He'll talk some Florida State recruiting, and then. We'll end the next segment with Greg Biggins, who gives me my West Coast report so we can talk about some West Coast recruits. We'll have that and more coming up on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. My name, calling all night. I can pull the wool while I'm being polite. Darling, calling all night. I can be a fool while I'm being polite. Oh me, oh me, oh my. I know many women want to be in my life. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Alright, 819 here on the Gridiron Stutchko Recruiting Roundtable Edition Hey, attention all you defensive backs out there The position you play is the toughest on the football field No one knows that more than me 
Being a great athlete helps, but nothing makes you better at being a defensive back than technique, and technique is what they teach at Lockdown University. Lockdown University is a private group on Facebook where you can get videotape breakdowns of technique and scheme to help you improve your game and take it to the next level. College football players use it. High school football players use it, and you can use it too. Are you a defensive back coach and want to raise your athlete's level of play? then you can jump on board with Lockdown University, too. Right now, they're offering a free seven-day trial to their service. Just send an email right now to LockdownU at GridironStuds.com. That's LockdownU at GridironStuds.com, and you can start on your way to dominating wide receivers today. Don't wait. Your competition is getting better every day, and you should be getting better, too. Send an email to LockdownU at GridironStuds.com right now for more information. All right, now that we got that out of the way, it's Florida Gators' time coming off of the loss to uh, LSU, a close loss, a moral victory, all those kind of things. Uh, we got to talk recruiting because it is the Recruiting Roundtable show, and who better to have on talking Florida Gators recruiting than my next guest, Andrew Spivey. Spivey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chad. Thanks for having me on. Hey, uh, thank you for coming on. Let's talk a little. Listen, we had we had the big game out in LSU, big build up, and all that, and the game ended up being uh, everything that everyone wanted, uh, unless you're a Gators fan. Uh, he came up a little short, and the thought is perhaps you see LSU again. But let's talk about a little bit of uh, recruiting. There's an off week for the Gators, so the coaches got a chance to get out on the recruiting trail this week. Uh, give me some updates on what has transpired here with the coaches being out both Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, uh, a lot of guys out. Uh, Coach uh, Coach McElwain kind of adopts that plan of not allowing his coaches to go out uh, during game week. So this was kind of the first opportunity to get out, uh, see some kids. Uh, Coach McElwain uh, made the first stop of the day in uh, Felipe Franks, uh, quarterback committed to LSU, and then made his way through the panhandle. Uh, and then Coach Dixon and Coach Shannon were in South Florida, uh, while Coach Nussmeyer was uh, visiting Dwayne Haskell up in Maryland, the Maryland quarterback commit. Uh, and then uh, Coach Summers was visiting a few uh, JUCO offensive linemen. So um, overall, though, the overwhelming response from these guys, is they were nice to see those guys, and momentum is going up for Florida right now. Even after a loss, these guys really are buying into Coach Mack's uh, plan, vision, and, and things are going really well. Um, anything um, – let me not use the word exciting, but any anything that might – Make our draw drop from uh, any 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 of the recruiting action that was going on here Monday and Tuesday. Anything really really promising, let's say. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a couple things actually. I think the, the big the big thing for uh, for me is uh, Josh Ooch, a big Miami commit, this defensive end linebacker, uh, who in my opinion is having one of the better senior years on tape. Is the guy that is now talking about taking an official to Florida and an unofficial to Florida. Uh, that would be big for Randy Shannon uh, to get a linebacker up. Everyone knows Florida needs linebackers. And then the other big surprise was uh, Auburn wide receiver commit Eli Stowe. Uh, they committed to Auburn since in the summer, springtime, kind of April, May area. And now he's talking about taking an official to Florida, an unofficial to Florida. And Florida's now telling him he can play athlete, both sides of the ball if he wants to. Uh, they like him as a receiver, but those would kind of be the two biggest ones. And then also a JUCO offensive lineman, uh, Ashton Julius, set up a visit to Florida for the end of November, and he'll announce the following week, and he says Florida's his leader right now. So those would be the three biggest storylines uh, for the first two days. Um, tell me, why would a JUCO offensive lineman want to come to Florida right now? Uh, you got a lot of young guys playing. Uh, looks like you're probably going to have some guys entrenched there for the next two, three years. What would be the allure for an offensive lineman at the JUCO level to come to Florida right now? 
Well, I think the, the biggest thing right now is Florida needs a guard in this class, a JUCO guard. Uh, they recruited the tackle position really well the last couple of years. Uh, you look at it this year, they have Trip Thurman playing uh, inside. He graduates this year, and they have Martez Ivy playing inside. And everyone believes Martez Ivy goes back out to tackle next year. Uh, really, Florida has one guard in Nick Buchanan as a freshman, and then they need another, another guard in the class. And I think that's a guy like Ashton Julius. He can come in, play right away at right guard, and be a kind of a staple for two years at Florida under McIlwain. Um, well, listen, you know, the, you've got these guys playing every Friday, and you've got several commits for Florida. Um, and, you know, you, 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 got, you always have the anticipation in recruiting. Tell me right now who has been the most impressive recruit that is committed to Florida playing in their high school season right now. You know, I'm, I'm going to go with Josh Hammond and, uh, and LaMichael P. Ryan. That's going to be the two. I know you asked for one. I'm going to give you two. Uh, <laughs> Josh Hammond's a guy that a lot of people just said, okay, he's going to Florida because of his brother. Uh, but, but a couple weeks ago I pulled his stats and was kind of taken back from it. This week I pulled him again, 42 catches for 780 yards with six touchdowns. I think you and I both can, can agree Hollandale plays pretty good competition. So that's a good, good competition. Uh, so that's a big pickup for Florida at a big position of need in Hammond. And then LaMichael Piran, the guy from Alabama that uh, a lot of people said, oh, Alabama-Auburn didn't offer, so why is Florida offering? Well, he's 5'11", uh, 220 pounds, and so far through seven games this year, he has over 1,600 yards of total offense and 15 touchdowns. Uh, that's a big, big need for Florida to have another back in this class, especially with Kelvin Taylor possibly leaving. So those two guys will be there, uh, be my top guys as far as commits go. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt about that. I've obviously seen Josh up close. I thought he was underrated coming into the season, uh, an outstanding route runner, and uh, also some, you know, people didn't really respect his speed for whatever reasons, deceptive speed, and um, it, what I saw in the preseason is certainly playing itself out, you know, right now uh, out on the football field, in the actual real football, not the seven-on-seven seven stuff. So uh, it's good Definitely. to see him. Uh, Georgia and had a big game, three touchdowns, over 200 yards receiving against that team as well. Yeah, well, it's it it's also helps too when you're when you're tight with the quarterback. Uh, you know, I used to uh, tease him about that during the summertime, but uh, rightfully so. You know, Josh has a way to get himself open, and you know, quarterbacks like guys that uh, can get open, and, and and you know, Josh certainly does a good job of doing that. So um, it's good to see that he's out there having the kind of season that I know he expected and uh, that a lot of other people were expecting him to have. Well, listen, as always, thanks for checking in with us and keeping us updated on uh, Gator recruiting. We appreciate you coming on. Definitely. Talk to you soon, Chad. Thanks for having me. All right. Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com, one of the top uh, Gator recruiting sites out there right now. Um, all of the great information each week leading up to, lead, leading up to the games, and uh, they cover it all, uh, post-game stuff, uh, recruiting and uh, the week leading up to it. So really no reason to, to go anywhere else. So always great to have Andrew Spivey on with us talking Gator recruiting. Well, listen, uh, waiting on Woody Womack. Don't see him in the queue right now. So I'm going to head out west and uh, talk a little West Coast recruiting with my next guest, Greg Biggins. Uh, love having this guy on because, you know, I'm, you know I kind of like a little West Coast stuff. I know you folks down here in Florida, many of you are, are listening to the show think, uh, only football only exists in Florida. Hey, they play good football out west, and uh, no better person to talk to me about that than Greg Biggins from Scout.com. Greg, how you doing? 
I'm good, man. Chad, just deep down inside, you are a West Coast guy all the way through. I love it. <laughs> I, you, you can't yeah, well, hide it. Don't, don't run from it, man. Just accept it and break no, it. No, no. I, I, I really can't run from it. I spent, all, I spent every summer out West. So, um, you know, I, I, did, I did grow to love the West, and I finished my high school there. So, won a championship out there. And while I am a Florida guy, I do need to say that, <laughs> I do have more respect for the West than uh, maybe some of the others down here. Well, let's jump into it. Um, I was looking at UCLA's commitment list, and, uh, you know, things have gone well under Jim Mora. Are, are they killing it? Not necessarily, uh, but they're doing better under Jim Mora than they have in the past, and, you know, um, they're able to land someone like a like a Josh Rosen. I didn't see any five stars on the list. Greg, are they in the running for some five stars, and what's the chances of them landing some five-star recruits in this 2016 recruiting class? Yeah, I mean, they, they actually have one guy, uh, Wally Batuku from Sarah High School. Uh, he, at least he's a five-star on our on our rankings for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. honestly, it's going to be a battle to hold on to him. He was at Texas A&M last weekend watching Miles Garrett being hosted by Miles Garrett. They're basically telling him he can be the next Miles Garrett. So right now, mm-hmm. I would say that UCLA commitment is probably soft as uh, soft as Charmin for UCLA. Uh, there's only <laughs> we only have six West Coast five stars. They probably have a chance at a couple of them. Mike Warren. I think they do lead for him. He's the former USC committed, decommitted about a, you know two weeks ago. I think UCLA probably leads right there. And uh, you know they're trying with Jack Jones, Long Beach Poly kid. And um, you know I I've always thought it might come down to UCLA USC. Talked to him a couple hours ago, and ironically that name again, Texas A&M is doing really well with Jack. He took an official trip there about a month ago, and he told me he wants to take another unofficial, go back on his own dime to go visit the Aggies. So. Right now, A&M is doing a, a lot of good work out in not just California, but the state of Arizona as well. So, uh, But those are the five stars that UCLA is trying to get at this time. Um, interesting that you bring up that name, Jax Jones, because he's one of the people that I wanted to have uh, to I wanted to talk to you about on here. I mean, he's a, the next great DB out of Long Beach Poly. Um, tell me what kind of season he's having and, and, and why is Jack Jones really a big deal for folks down here that don't know too much about him. Yeah, I mean, Long Beach Poly is kind of known as, you know, as maybe the top talent-producing school out west. And and Jackie's tremendous talent on both sides of the ball. You know, we always saw him as a receiver kind of going into the spring. He decided he wanted to flip over and play some corner, and he just is a natural. You know, that short area quickness. Uh, he, he's not super big. He's probably 5'11 on a good day, maybe a buck 75, but, you know, real tough, physical. We get one of those schools that just kind of preaches toughness. He kind of plays with that edge that you have to have playing corner, great ball skills, extremely quick. Again, kind of a hyper fast switch kid that just loves to compete and plays at a very high level. That's as a corner. Receiver-wise, great after the catch. Uh, the guy can, you know, go deep, but also really good at taking the little short slant and making three or four guys miss and he's going to the house. So, uh, you know, a guy who, again, both sides of the ball, I, I personally love him on defense. I'm kind of more of a defensive kind of a guy. But, I, again, I think he can be an elite receiver too. So, a guy who's just very high skill level, very high compete level. Well, they continue to crank him out at Long Beach Poly, um, and Jack Jones is just another in a long line. Another guy that I've all been impressed with for the last two, three seasons here uh, is Tyler Vons. What's the latest on him, and, and uh, what can you tell us about what kind of season he's having right now? Yeah, the latest with Tyler is, you know, he's long-time USC commit, and, and that's solid. You know, there's a handful of some of the California kids that are going to be going to USC no matter who is the next head coach, and, and Tyler's one of them. He comes from a, a family that just preaches the gospel of USC football. So 
Tyler's definitely locked in. He's having a very good season. You know, he's one of those guys who I think outperforms his physical tools. And by that I mean he's not especially big. He's got good length, but he's not a real physical kid. He doesn't run that well. Maybe a, a 4-7 guy on a good day. But he's one of those guys mm-hmm. who just knows how to get open. Just knows how to get open. Incredible body control. Probably the best pure cat, pass catcher out west. Just You don't even hear the ball when he catches it. So uh, you combine you know, his feel for the position, his instincts, his skill level, his body control, his hands. And again, he's another guy who just competes always at a very high level. He's able to really excel despite not being you know, a big, thick, you know, Des Bryant type of guy or that four three four four burner. He just gets the job done. Would you go out there, Greg, and say that Vons is the best wide receiver in, in the state of California right now? And if he's not, who would you give that nod to? I, I, right now I would say he is. He is. There's, there's two guys. You know, we, we have three guys that I lo- a lot of guys that I like a lot receiver-wise, probably the, the deepest position out west. But Theo Howard from Westlake is probably the fastest of this group. He's a legit 4-3, low 4-4 guy. And he can absolutely go great after the catch. And then Javon McKinley from Centennial High School, another state powerhouse. This is the guy – who is the most productive, and I'm big on production. In my opinion, if, if you are a four-star, five-star guy, you need to produce on the field, and he's been the most productive guy on the field, and he, that kind of reminds me a little bit of a Michael Irvin type. He's 6'2", real physical, uses his body to just kind of box out smaller defensive backs, and he also can run a little bit better than people I think give him credit for. So those three guys, depending on what day of the week is, is kind of my order will flip-flop. But right now, I, I'll probably go in terms of just the college upside, Vaughn, Howard, McKinley, but again, if you wanted to say McKinley's one and Howard's two, I would not argue with anyone saying that. Yeah, it sounds like it's a tight race, so for all of you out there, man, jot those names down and go take a look at those guys. I've had a chance to see them all. Very, very impressive. See how they stack up to what you have in your area. Uh, As always, Greg, thanks for bringing us the heat from out west on the Gridiron Stud Show. My pleasure, Chad. Don't be a stranger. All right, no problem. All right, Greg Greg Biggins from uh, Scout.com giving us the news from out west. And uh, as always, appreciate having him on to uh, let us know what's going on all the way out there. Well, from the west, we're coming back south, and we're going to have this guy on. He's a little late on me today, but, you know, I'll excuse him, bow tie and all. Woody Womack, what's going on? Uh, you know, so, you know, I was having a nice uh, piece of tilapia, and I forgot to call in. and got, <laughs> You got into, to hear Greg you into food, man. What are you, what are you Emerald Lagasse or somebody? What's, what's good, man? You're always eating when we're on this show. Well, listen, you know, my, my wife goes to she, – she goes has a real job all day, so I'm just sitting around the house watching high schoolers play football. I usually take a break, cook dinner, so it's ready when she gets home around 8 o'clock. So. Good grief. You've got us all jealous out here. All right, well, let's let's jump into some things. I'm going to make you a Florida State guy today, if you don't mind me doing that. Give me the latest on Isaac Nada and how it relates to Florida State right now. Is, is you know, is he going to be a seminal? What are your thoughts on that right there? No, you can mark it down. There's no chance uh, he ends up at Florida State. Uh, you know, the relationship there I don't think is is repairable. He'd be committed for a reason. I think, you know, originally I really thought he was going to go to TCU. I know that sounds crazy, but he was really high on TCU. Now he goes up to Michigan for his official visit. He loved it up there. I've, I've heard it was the best visit he's ever had, official or otherwise. So now I think he's really weighing, do I go and play for Jim Harbaugh, a guy who's produced quality tight ends, we see him all over the NFL, or do I stick close to home, stay close to my family, which are are based uh, here in the Atlanta area, and go to Georgia? Yeah. um, 
hard to listen. Our man up there in Ann Arbor makes use of that position that everyone's trying to get rid of. You know, this guy uses fullbacks and he uses tight ends. So, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to have some appeal to a tight end. So I could kind of understand that. Although Florida State's been no slouch with tight ends as well. You know, when they have a good one, they use it. But, uh, you know, we'll have to take your word on it. It doesn't sound like well, from what you're saying that he'd end up at Florida State. Um, listen, listen, let's talk. Put, mark it down. I'm, I, that's a lock. That's a, the lock of the year for me is that he won't end up back at Florida State unless uh, a lot of things a lot of things would have to happen for, for that tall to play. Yeah, well, typically when guys you know decommit, they don't end up hopping back on that school. Let's talk. Malik Henry was here at IMG. Um, you know, it's funny when he did come down here to IMG. I had people on the West Coast texting me and calling me, "Hey, what's this IMG thing? What do we need to know about?" Well, he didn't last. He didn't make it to the season. He heads back out west. He's still a Florida State commit. Is that as solid as it's always been, or could he be had elsewhere? Well, I, I, I still think they want him. I still think that's where he ends up. I mean, you know, we've all heard rumblings, different schools here and there. I know Auburn was trying to get in a mix for a while. I just think I think he ends up, you know, sticking with the Seminoles. He's been, he's been there for so long now. It's kind of one of the downsides you see of, of these guys who commit so early. I mean, Seth Green out out at uh, was committed to Oregon. He's from Minnesota, living in Texas. Word is now that the Oregon's basically told him you can come here, but you can't play quarterback. And I mean, the guy's been committed for two years. So it's like, you know, it's it's interesting to see that. It's one of the downsides of these quarterbacks committing so early. But I think they st- in the end, it'll still he'll still end up at Florida State. I think it's it's probably too late for them to to go chasing anybody else, and they want to take one in this class. And I think he's going to be that guy. All right. Well, now uh, outside of Malik Henry, um, what's the who, who are the biggest targets right now for FSU that are not already you know landed on the ship? We're talking committed athletes. What's who's the biggest guys they need to be going after right now and get landed in this 2016 class? Well, I think the guy that uh, we're looking at the mo- most right now, if, if we're talking about Florida State, is uh, Trevon Mullen from down in your neck of the woods at Coconut Creek. I think you know. They've really made him a priority in this class. He's a guy that they absolutely want and, and will probably need as, you know, Jalen Ramsey's going to leave early at the head off to the draft, I would expect. So that's a that's a real position of need. He's a real versatile guy. Uh, you know, he didn't like me too much, but I like him as a player. And, <laughs> you know, I really I really do think that, uh, that he'd be a great fit there, and I think that's kind of their number one guy right now in terms of who they, who they need, absolutely need to land in this class. Yeah, well, I, who knows what you did to that guy, Woody. We'll have to talk about that. But nevertheless, uh, another another big-time defensive back looking to go to Florida State. He only narrowed his list down recently to 13. So, uh, oh, jeez. Oh, I was anxiously uh, awaiting that top 13 list, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right, in October. So I say to everyone out there, strap it up uh, and get ready. Fasten your seatbelts for his ride through the whole recruiting thing. Well, listen, Woody uh, – Back to your tilapia. Appreciate you taking some time out to join us here on the Gridiron Stud Show and share some information with us. All right. I'll be on time next week, I promise, Coach. Uh, all right. Appreciate that. We won't have to make you do up-downs. <laughs> Woody Womack from Rivals.com joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I've got – who do I got up next? Ryan Bartow and uh, Billy, Billy, Billy Bank Green coming up next. I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, the recruiting roundtable – continues here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be back right after this. Yeah. 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 Ain't nobody rocking like this. 
everybody out there swift like this. Everywhere I go, all I hear is this. Yes, I must confess. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit squidironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Squidironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Back from our quick break here on the Gridiron Stud Show, recruiting round table. And uh, we just heard from Andrew Spivey from Gator Country, Greg Biggins from Out West Scout.com, giving us our West Coast report on recruiting matters, and uh, Woody Womack talking a little Florida State recruiting. And uh, it's a pleasure to have my next guest on, national recruiting analyst for 247 Sports. Um, I'm going to make him a all Broward County guy today. Ryan, how you doing on? Doing super, Chad. Uh, just tracking some of these coaching changes. Some of uh, good luck with that. Good to be back in paradise after the uh, Metro Dallas run. Oh yeah, uh, we appreciated the uh, Texas information you gave us last week. Real quick, what's harder, following the uh, the coaching moves or trying to follow the player moves in Dayton Broward County in the off season? <laughs> I tried to do. <laughs> a lot I think we need an app ladder. for that. Yeah, there's a lot more of the latter. I, I mean, two off seasons ago, there was over 200 transfers, but I love that stuff. I love kids that are flipping. I mean, it keeps you active and busy, and we're in a place where there's always stuff to do. And I mean, I live for stuff like that. And I mean, it drives some people nuts, but I mean, if you if you don't like it, then do something else. Yeah, well, it gives you an opportunity to keep the pen moving across the pad. Real quick story on that. We had a coach come to us at American Heritage. I'll keep the, the school name to myself, but came by <laughs> telling me how he went by. He went over to Deerfield this off season in the spring and went looking for some particular kids, saw them there, left, went over to Monarch, asked for some kids on his list, and was told by the coach at Monarch, those kids are at Deerfield. He had to turn around, get back in the car, and head back over to Deerfield. So that just gives you an idea of how things roll down here in South Florida. Uh, well, let's talk mm-hmm. about some some kids in Broward County. And like I said, I'm going to keep you in all Broward County. I'm going to keep you pretty much at one school. Uh, I just had Woody Womack on, and he was talking about Trayvon Mullen being uh, perhaps yep. one of the biggest, if not the biggest, get uh, that Florida State needs in this class. Uh, the young man just, if we could use this term, pared down his list to uh, a mere 13 left. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if that's what we're expecting. You know, in the season now where we're expecting a top five, uh, good old Trayvon gave us 13. Can you make some sense out of that 13 list for us? What schools, uh, I dare say, can we ignore out of that list? Who's he playing around with? Um, yeah, all of them but two. It's either going to be LSU, where Corey Raymond has made him a priority and recruit him harder than anybody the last two years. Or it's going to be Florida State. It's going to be one of those, one or the other, and it'll come down to probably signing day or a few days before. And those are the ones to track. I mean, I don't really follow it unless they're down to two or three, honestly. And 
I mean, I got a joke last week with Anthony Hines at Plano East High School. He claimed 78 offers and said he had a top 19. So stuff like that, you that's just kind of noise. And, uh, you know, through your contacts, through your sources, you, you, you get a good idea of who the actual players are and who's in the league group. And with Trey Bono, I think, is one of the best cornerbacks in the country, a U.S. Army All-American. He'll either go to LSU, where my crystal ball has been for – quite some time or he'll stay in state and play for the Seminoles. So we're uh, we're saying it's 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 LSU or Florida State for him. Thank God you know we've got you Ryan because uh otherwise we'd be dumpster diving through a, a list of 13. So I hope Trayvon knows he can only take five official visits. I think someone probably needs to get that across to him. All right. Uh staying there in Coconut Creek Malik Young. Um just got an offer from Ohio State setting stuff up going yeah. to Auburn. How big is that Ohio State offer? Is that is that mean something? Do you think he could? We're, they're going anywhere with that? I mean, I think that's a play to for Ohio State to try to get his teammate Benjamin Victor and do a little package deal. Malik's a heck of a player in his own right. He could be a slot. I think he's a corner at the next level, probably a nickelback, pretty versatile. Another U.S. Army All-American kid there, and I think at the end of the day. Georgia with Jeremy Pruitt has made him a priority, got his commit. I think he will visit Auburn um, for the Iron Bowl. That'll be his next official visit. Most of these South Florida kids, as you know, they'll take all five of their visits and with confidence. <laughs> Why not? Too. And, and, uh, but I think Georgia's um, pretty solid in that situation. So you like you you like so the what what do you think of the whole Auburn trip? That's just uh, we're going to take a visit, or what, what do you think's going on there with that? Yeah, I think Auburn um, has come on of late, but that's just going to be one of the five visits. I think they're they're probably batting number three per Malik on Monday morning with Ohio mm-hmm. State too, and he's been pretty good with Georgia. He's been up there multiple times with his family, so unless they they cool on him which i don't see them doing um they're they're in a pretty good situation there all right well let's talk his teammate as we go all coconut creek here um mm-hmm. benjamin victor i mean he's he's the crown jewel over there everyone wants to know what's going on for a moment there people thought he was going to florida then that kind of backed off and then now it's the whole ohio state thing ultimately ryan what are we looking at with benjamin victor and uh where, where do you think he ends up yeah, I think if today was signing day, it would be Ohio State. Once he decided mm-hmm. not to give that verbal to the Gators, they kind of moved to the forefront ahead of mm-hmm. Florida, ahead of Tennessee, that's still probably bat number three for him. West Virginia's in there as a dark horse, had a great visit up there. Plus he looks at a guy like Javon Durant that goes up there and starts as a true freshman in an offense that throws it 50, 60 times a game. That's intriguing mm-hmm. for a wide mm-hmm. receiver. Uh, but he'll be, a, you know, a, a U.S. Army decision or a signing day late decision. One one team to watch out for him, especially um, with what happens if what me and you think is going to happen with a coaching change mm-hmm. at Miami. That's mm-hmm. the team that he grew up liking. I think that could affect a lot of South Florida guys if, if they make the right switch there. And so if there is a coaching change there, they, Miami could get back in the game for him because that's where he wants to go if they have the right staff there. Well, very interesting thought there. Uh, never really thought of them as a player in it, so that's some pretty good information there, and we can always count on you for that. It looks like we may have three hat 
you know, recruiting day hat pullers there at uh, Coconut Creek. How about that? Yeah, that would make it uh, definitely interesting. And, hey, don't be surprised if some of them uh, make an announcement at the Army game. But as you know, one of the rules in, in recruiting when it comes to South Florida, you don't want to get their kids' first verbal commit. You want to try oh, to get no. their third. And as, as, as Dalvin Cook proved and many others did as well. Yeah, definitely not. And you definitely don't want it as freshmen and sophomores. So we've uh, seen that we've seen that movie before, as I like to say. Well, Ryan, as always, thanks yeah. for coming on and giving us some great information on the recruiting trail. Sounds good, Chad. Take care. All right. Ryan Bartow from 247 Sports uh, with some great information there on uh, three of the top guys over there at Coconut Creek High School. If, if you're missing this show each week, something's wrong with you if you like recruiting. So we're getting some pretty top-notch information here. So uh, always can appreciate Ryan coming on, National Recruiting Analyst from 247 Sports. All right. Uh, moving from Broward County, we're going to head up to the Midwest. Is it snowing up there yet? I got Bill Green on from Scout.com, Ohio. Hey, I played golf today in shorts, so that answer to snow would be no. Oh, my goodness. How about that? You better lap that up, man. When's the cold stuff coming your way? Could be in the next 10 minutes. I mean, today is probably the last for 70-degree <laughs> weather. I think we got high 50s on tap this week, and then, it, it, you know, not going to be going any much higher than that from the rest of the way out. But it's been a great fall up here. It really has. Yeah, well, good that you could get that in here on October 21st. Uh, there are probably some people in some neighboring regions that are quite – uh, envious to hear that you were able to do that today. All right, well let's let's talk uh, some Ohio recruiting and some Ohio State recruiting. Um, I noticed last week George Hill decommitted from uh, Ohio State, and then we get Antonio Williams' commitment four days later. Um, is there a connection there? You know, not really. Um, George Hill was always looked at as a slot receiver by Ohio State. He was the first commit to their class. He committed a long time ago. And I think sort of the bloom has fallen off the rose there for both sides. I think George really wants to be a running back. Ohio State sees him as a slot receiver. Uh, they've got about 200 slot receivers ahead of him. You know, they collect those slot receivers like kids collect baseball cards. So yeah. it just didn't seem like it was working out for George. Michigan State really wants him as a running back. West Virginia would take him as a running back. Pittsburgh is within an hour of his home. Pat Narduzzi's got it going there right now. So, you know, I think it had nothing to do with Antonio Williams. The Antonio Williams situation is a is a pure reaction to the one of the top running backs in the country, Kareem Walker, committed to Ohio State. But this kid's visited about every school in America. And at that point, Urban Meyer kind of, I think, felt he needed to protect himself. Yeah, they need a running back in this class really bad. So they took Antonio Williams away from Wisconsin. Now, if Kareem Walker would still fall in their lap, they would take him. They would take both running backs and be thrilled. But, you know, if they end up just getting Antonio Williams, at least they got themselves a running back in this class that they need. So the George Hill-Antonio Williams, there was no connection there, but Antonio Williams strictly a reaction to Kareem Walker visiting every school in America. How much of a need is running back in this class for Ohio State? I think it's real big. Um Ezekiel Elliott will not be back next year to Ohio State. He's going early. And then, you know, you had a freshman this year, Mike Weber, who's been hurt most of the year. Uh, Curtis Samuels played some running back, but he's more of a slot receiver. They've got two older guys that will be seniors next year, Warren Ball and Brown, they've done. 
Neither one of those guys have ever gotten a meaningful carry in a game that's less than a 20-point margin in their careers. Mm-hmm. So they need to bring in a running back in this class. Whoever it is, I mean, Antonio Williams, Kareem Walker, they're probably both be on the field next year in some role. So running back, huge priority for Ohio State this year. Yeah, um, and, and listen, you know, Elliott's tearing it up, and so there will be a void there, and I guess a good opportunity for any young guy coming in there. Um, I noticed this, okay, and I, you know, I could be wrong. You could correct me on this. I'm going through some of these top 100 lists at, at scout.com and, and uh, some of the other the top recruiting sites out there, and I'm, I'm noticing a little bit of a drought, if I could say, of Ohio guys in there. Um, I think the most I've seen in any of the lists are three in the top 50. Um, I, I think one, one, of the, one of the sites has one guy in there. Um, is this a developing situation, or is it just one of those years? What do, what do you make out of that? No, it's actually a really good year in the state. I mean, you know, to be a top hundred kid in America, I mean, you're you know, you're darn near a high four or five star. I don't know that there's a ton of those in Ohio this year. Um, mm-hmm. but boy, there's a lot of good solid four stars. You know, if you would drop it down top one fifty, top one seventy, maybe I really haven't looked at the the rivals in the two four seven list. I mean, then you're mm-hmm. gonna see a lot of these guys. I mean, it really is a good year in Ohio this year. Maybe not so much for the superstar high end five star guys, but man, there's a mm-hmm. ton of really good, solid four star kids. I mean, a ton of them. Yeah, so we we've got uh like you said, we don't have a lot of the big time guys, maybe, but uh across the board, is talent getting spread out in Ohio? Um, as as we're starting to see down here in Florida, as it's starting to, you know, make its way around to several schools and not really concentrated at, you know, I know out there you've got you've got Elder and you've got you know you've got you've had like your four schools out there that were the big schools for talent. Is it starting to spread out a little bit more in Ohio? Not so much in the South, where Cincinnati Moeller, Cincinnati Saint Xavier, you know, Cincinnati Elder, those guys are still loaded have been, probably always will be. But in the north, that's where the big shift took place. Where Cleveland St. Ignatius, right now they have one kid in that school that has a Division One offer, which is mm-hmm. shocking. Lakewood St. Edward probably has three kids in their building holding Division One offers. Cleveland Glenville mm-hmm. has zero players in their building holding Division One offers. But we're seeing kids at Bedford, Shaker Heights, Grafton, Midview, schools at you know, they would go a decade without a Division One player. Now, these guys all of a sudden have two or three Division One players. Cleveland Heights definitely mm-hmm. spread out in the north. The north, they have spread all over the place. Uh, DeMario mm-hmm. McCall is one of the top players in Ohio, committed to Ohio State, high four-star kid. He goes to a school called North Ridgeville. I mean, the last time they had a big-time player was probably when you and I were little kids. So, mm-hmm. in the north, there's been a huge shift, but the south is still pretty much the way it always has been. The traditional guys have the guys. Well, before I let you go, why why is that the case in the North and not the South? You know, it's crazy. I don't know because there haven't been big coaching changes other than Lakewood St. Edward. Now, they've gone through some coaches here in the last four or five years, always hiring good ones, though. You know, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, they're chopped liver there. They they lose a coach. You know, their coach last year that won the state title, Rick Bonatti, went to Michigan as an assistant under Harbaugh. Well, they mm-hmm. went and grabbed uh, John Lombardo, who's looked at as one of the top coaches in Ohio. So, and then you look at Cleveland Glenville, they've had Ted Ginn up there forever. Cleveland St. Right. Ignatius has had Chuck Chuck Kyle up there forever. So there's been no coaching shift which can cause, you know, problems. 
I don't know. It's just hard to put your finger yeah. on, but you're right. I mean, there's been – the kids are spread out now where they used to go to three schools, Lakewood, St. Edward, Ignatius, and Glenville. Now they're at mm. 10 schools, 12 schools. Yeah, I'm going to be interesting to see if that – trend continues or if this is just uh, some kind of a, an anomaly we've you know we've got here for for maybe a year or two in Ohio. Well, Bill, I'll, always thankful to have you on. Uh may the short stay on for another week or two out there, perhaps. <laughs> I hope, Chad. <laughs> We're praying for it, buddy. All right, man. Well, always good having you on. Appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, anytime, Chad. I'm always here for you, man. Have a great show. All right. You All right, that's Bill Green. Scout.com, talking Midwest, primarily Ohio, here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So we've been out west, we've been in the south, we went back up north. Now we're going to come back down south and talk a little University of Miami recruiting, to be specific. And uh, my next guest, Corey Bender from Scout.com, is going to be our resident University of Miami hurricane recruiting expert tonight. Corey, how you doing? Good, Chad. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. Well, listen, uh, plenty of information being chucked down here for us tonight. Um, some of it on guys in this area who are uh, also on the radar for the University of Miami. So uh, let's talk about some of this. And a, guy, a couple of guys I do want to talk about. Uh, Deion Jackson at Hallandale was uh, an early, a commit earlier this year. Um, he did have a couple of weird quotes uh, or maybe tweets about, uh, you know, USC uh, what's the latest on him? That's been quiet with him. Um, is he still solid to Miami? Are there any other players in the recruiting game for Deion Jackson? Yeah, yeah, you said it right, Chad. He's a guy that really doesn't really talk much to the media. But uh, right now, he's a guy. He's actually going to be in attendance for the Clemson game on Saturday for Miami takes uh, takes on Clemson on Saturday. And uh, as far as other schools, I mean, he's real locked in with Miami. He's a kid that's been all about the U. And um, obviously, he hasn't brought up to me. I talked to him last week. He said nothing about visiting other schools. And, um, yeah, this is the one time he'll be at a Miami game this year. He hasn't been to any other ones this year. But uh, right now, like I said, uh, he's just focused on the season. He's a kid that's not really care about all the glamour and all the accolades and all the media stuff. He's just a kid that's a real competitive kid that puts in, puts in the work. And it's just in his own zone when he's out there on the island at corner. And, um, yeah, he's a guy that's just locked in with Miami. Uh, isn't really looking at too many other schools right now. It's pretty quiet as far as recruiting. But as far as guys, you see him, Chad, up close several times. But he's a guy that doesn't, get, doesn't really get talked about that much, but I think he has the most upside as, as far as all those DBs in that class. Uh, you know, great yeah, size. Yeah, good, good, good size and length on Dion, And uh, really, you know, I know firsthand a guy that quietly goes about his business and mm-hmm. uh, doesn't necessarily need a lot of, of limelight. Uh, let's talk about another guy who's a little bit more flashy but hasn't been able to be on the field this year, um, Deontay Mullins. Give me the latest on him. What's the situation with him, and will he be at Miami next year? And and just kind of give us an update on on uh, Deontay Mullins' situation. Yeah, well, they'll be releasing the new grades in the next couple of weeks, like a lot of South Florida schools. So that'll be the next opportunity that he can see if he boosted his uh, GPA above where it needs to be. And I know those uh, academic issues. I know it kind of started a little bit late last year, but um, he's obviously been putting in the work. He's made big strides in that, and he'll be finding out in the next couple of weeks if he's kind of good to go. But uh, as of right now, like you said, he's watching other kids just locked in with Miami. He isn't really looking around to the other schools. I know his main focus right now is just academics and just you know, getting on the field, period. Um, obviously, he just got the Under Armour All-American jersey presentation. He'll be playing in that event uh, you know, shortly after the New Year. But as far as recruiting, uh, just like Deion Jackson, two guys are just kind of locked in with Miami and uh, just not really focusing too much on recruiting. I know Deion, 
uh, you know, Mullins, he just focused on academics and, uh, you know, Dion, he's just putting in that work and just, uh, right. yeah, just putting in that work and just, you know, going to work for Allendale right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about one of the uh, latest offers that have been put out there. And there's a guy I've uh, had a chance to see over the last couple of seasons, a very dynamic player, um, Michael Vickish almost, uh, also a lefty. And, you know, a guy that can scare you to death running the ball, can also throw the ball. Uh, when I'm talking about Desmond Phillips, quarterback for Jackson High School, you know, just got offered this week. Uh, what are they looking at there? What's the University of Miami looking at him as? Uh, is he going to be a quarterback? Is he an athlete? Is he a DB, wide receiver? What are, what, what are the, what's the thought process with Desmond Phillips? Yeah, I actually talked to him last night after he got that offer, and he said Miami wants him as a strict wide receiver. And uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, he's a dynamic kid under center, but they said we'll likely transition to another uh, to another position. That's not to cut his play at quarterback because he's a Mr. Do-It-All at Jackson. Like you said, a lefty with a live arm. And uh, like you said, Mike Vick, is, like I said, he can he's made pressure really well and create a lot of plays with his legs. And uh, like I said, he's just he's best when operating in space. and He has that ability to make defenders look silly with making sharp cuts. You're just sticking that foot in the grass, and obviously he has big time speed to burn, and there's always a threat for six. And um, like I said, he's Mr. Do It All for Jackson, but um, you know the thing with Miami, they like him at wide receiver. You know, guys always have the speed, but the question is, how are his hands? I mean, that's something to keep an eye on. I haven't really seen much of him catching the ball, uh, but obviously he has athletic traits, big time speed, and just an overall great athlete at that uh, Miami Jackson football program. But uh, the U right now likes him as a uh, strict wide receiver, uh, most likely in the slot too. I found those quarterbacks that play in the shotgun that are constantly catching snaps tend to really have good hands. So, um, you know, I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect it to be any different from him. Uh, in talking to him, though, how does he? Did you get a read on how he feels about the fact that they would want him to play wide receiver, not the position he's been playing, which is quarterback? Does he have a feeling on that? What are his thoughts on it? Uh, it's the same thing, because I know Toledo, they didn't like him at quarterback either. It's the same situation at Toledo. Um, he told me they liked him at wide receiver as well. So he's been he's been used to knowing, like, hey, I'm probably going to have to transition at the next level, you know, to fulfill uh, as far as his upside, as far as what position he has the most upside at. But, uh, no, he's definitely open to the wide receiver position. Uh, he knows, you know, he's, he's a dangerous kid in space, and he knows that. And, uh, obviously, this is offer he's just very excited about. I mean, it's a school he loved growing up. Uh, it's a hometown school, and he's visiting on Saturday. So, you know, he's fresh off the offer. He'll be on campus with the coaches, and uh, you never know. This is a kid that could commit on Saturday. Um, I'm not guaranteeing that, honestly, but this, that's mm-hmm. one kid to certainly keep an eye on throughout the weekend because, like I said, I mean, they're only taking – Miami's most likely only going to take, take one more wide receiver total. So that's the thing to look at right now. So it's like, does he want to pounce on the opportunity and get that spot, or is he just going to kind of stay loyal to, you know, to Toledo and kind of just take his visits and take his time? And this weekend will tell a lot of things when he's on campus. Um, from what I've seen and heard, it seems that he was very excited about the offer from the University of Miami, but that doesn't always mean that a guy is going to commit there, as we found out. Um, I think the, the general theme for some reason on the show tonight is that um, you really got to be patient with uh, South Florida recruits in terms of where they're going and what they're going to do. Um, I yeah. wouldn't want to play poker with with any of these recruits that they have down here in South Florida. Um, and he, do he's we, a guy that he's a guy that had those power five offers beforehand, before he even committed to Toledo. So it's it's not like a type of kid that's, hey, I got the big offer, I'm just going to jump on. So like you said, Chad, it wouldn't surprise me. It just kind of takes his time, and um, like most South Florida kids, take all those visits. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the visitors list. We've got a big game. Clemson's coming down here to town, high noon. 
um, and it's uh, it's you know a big time football game. So let's talk about some of the uh, more interesting names that are going to be showing up to Sun Life Stadium to watch the Canes take on Clemson on Saturday. Yeah, some of the names. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a big list. A lot of talented guys. I know. As far as guys expected, you know that yet. Some guys can back out between now and Saturday. But as far as guys expected, mm-hmm. Trayvon Mullins, one guy. Uh, Jamel Cook, Nate Craig was expected to go, but he you know he has homecoming. He's, he's just saying he's going to go with that. Um, Jerry Judy, um, Javon Myers, a kid that's up here in the Tampa Bay area who's committed to Florida. Um, obviously, you have Dequan Green, another Florida commit. Aaron Robinson, multiple Florida commits. Um, you have some UNC commits in there as well, Dominic Ross and Trinity. Uh, multiple, probably about over two dozen four-star prospects. I mean, the list goes on and on. And there's about right now, I think, to refer from 17 or 18 just commits. Uh, guys are committed mm-hmm. to Miami now as well. So a lot of the guys, I mean, this is going to be their biggest recruiting weekend as far as during the season. Uh, but, you know, the mm-hmm. most notable names uh, as far as that list are obviously Trayvon Mullen, Jamel Cook, obviously the Jerry Judys, Dion McIntosh, um, you know, Sante Samuel, just a lot of guys from the 2016 to the 18 class. Um, guys, just big-time guys from each of those classes. You know, just folks who are, like, um, not intimately involved in the whole college football recruiting thing, um, need to know about that part of it. When you've got a big game like that coming up, it's it, it, you know there's that other part of it. You're going to have some of the top recruited kids in all of the country, uh, mm-hmm. let alone in South Florida, sitting there in attendance, and that's going to mean something with how the University of Miami performs on that field. Um, you know, if they can pull off the shocking upset. Uh, you know, that could mean something really huge for a percentage of those guys there that maybe they didn't even think they would have a chance at. And you did mention there are a number of guys committed elsewhere, uh, like Florida, that are going to be there, and something big can happen. On the flip side, if you lay a big egg there, not only do you not get those guys you you, you were hoping for as long shots, you may lose some of the guys that are committed or strongly leaning in your direction. No, absolutely. You said it perfectly. There's a lot of fans I see on Twitter when I put out the list. A lot of people said this is a make-or-break game as far as recruiting at this point in the season. Uh, like you said, so many guys are kind of flirting with uh, other official visits, like Amon Richards out of Wellington. I think he's a guy with major upside. Uh, he's been committed to Miami for a year, but Alabama's been in the thick of his recruitment. Auburn, Tennessee, he'll be in attendance. I think this might be his first game, I'm pretty sure, he'll be in attendance for this year. And uh, Like I said, he's been to a lot of the big Alabama games on his own dime, so a lot of these guys are kind of looking around and, like you said, kind of a make or break. Like you said, they lay an egg. This can have a big effect on their recruitment. Um, and like you said, a lot of uncommitted, the guys who are committed elsewhere, uncommitted guys, are making the trek down the Coral Gables. And it's going to be a make or break, man. Like I said, there's a lot of big-time guys in this game. I mean, I once once I asked all the kids and got the list, I was like, wow. Like, I mean, a lot of kids have Miami on top, too. You have four-stars, Kayvon Diggle. You have Rodney Scott out of the 17 class. And, um, yeah, there's tons of kids. So we'll see. Like you said, I think it's Give me a make or break. Either they do well or if they lay an egg, it could definitely uh, have some consequences after that game. You never know. Yeah, um, always tough to, to figure out. You know, if I know how coaches use it. You know, you lose that game, you go tell those guys, as you can see, we need you here uh, to win yeah. big games like this. <laughs> if you if you win that game, it's, hey, come be a part. We're doing something special here. So, you know, you have, you have the alternate pitches sitting there waiting to uh, hit these guys with afterwards but nevertheless it's always good to have them there and lay eyes on them and be able to speak to them and look them in the face after uh, a game like that win or lose uh, what do you make of Trayvon Mullen being there you know I just I had uh, I had Woody Womack on uh, earlier talking about Trayvon Mullen and um, you know Ryan Bartel also telling me that it's LSU or Florida State pretty much 
How much of a player is Miami in this? Is he just trying to take in a, a big-time football game? Hey, as you guys know, yeah, he, he just recently came out that lengthy list of top schools, and I think this is like the second or third time he's released that. Uh, as far as the <laughs> yeah, we I was having lot. a little fun with with the with the uh, pared down list of thirteen. Poor guy, he's uh got a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think overall, I think when it comes to his recruitment, the main two contenders have always been FSU and LSU. I mean, Clemson mm-hmm. has been like a distant third that's kind of always kind of been brought up. But I think when it's all said and done, it's gonna all said and done. Excuse me, it's gonna be Florida State and uh, LSU right now. And, I mean, Miami, it's the same kind of thing with a lot of these kids. A lot of these kids grew up liking Miami. I mean, they, that was a school in their house throughout their whole entire childhood. But, obviously, with the whole entire thing with Al Golan, with his job security that everyone brings up. And, obviously, mm-hmm. LSU, they have a, obviously a top reputation for, uh, you know, uh, developing defensive backs overall. So, I mean, a lot of kids, and that's the thing, I think that's a big part of it. I think he definitely has interest in Miami, like Benjamin Victor and some of these other guys. But I think that mm-hmm. the whole job situation and – the instability, I think that really right now has kids is kind of be with a you know a door in and a uh, foot in the door and a foot out. So I think right now yeah. I think it definitely he has interest in them, but I don't think it's going to be enough you know to ever make them a, a serious contender in his recruitment. I think it's too late for him, uh, especially if there was a coaching change. It's going to be late in the year if that does happen. I just don't think it's going to be enough time for the U to really get enough momentum to get a signature. Yeah, that's always a tough situation when uh, you've got. You don't know if that coach is going to be there or not, and like you said, all these places are probably uh, dug in their, they've probably dug their claws pretty deep into Trayvon Mullen. Well, listen, Corey, I always appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us the information on the local team, since you know this show, this show hails from, uh, let's call it Miami. Appreciate you coming on, giving us some hurricane information. Hey, Chad, thanks for always having me, man. I appreciate it. it's a great show. All right, thank you, Corey Bender from Scout.com, talking University of Miami Hurricanes. Recruiting. If you're uh, hanging on, ask a question. We'll get to you uh, right after we take this quick break and come back for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be back right after this. Hey, hey, hey! Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
9-11 here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I hope uh, you are able to divert your attention between Empire and this great recruiting show we have going on here right now. Go ahead and put Empire on mute. You only need to see that stuff. You may not necessarily need to hear it. You need to hear what's going on on the show today. But uh, we're back for the final segment here on the Gridiron Stud Show. I did bring up in the opener about... uh, you know the reason that there's it's that recruiting is really all about the eyeball test. Uh, there's limited amount of time for these college coaches to develop guys. The better schools are able to divide the time adequately with developing players and uh, also teaching the scheme that they're in. Pretty much any of those schools that you see in that college football playoff or at or near the top of the rankings in the top ten year after year are they're not there because they don't develop players. So, uh, nevertheless, that is the case. So they they want to grab the six foot four guy. Uh, some schools are just lazy. It is what it is. But uh, also on the flip side too, I, I do need to let you know this: just because a kid's dominant in high school and he's scoring a lot of touchdowns or he's making a lot of plays, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do that on the next level. You've got some folks out there uh, and some players out there that are, are doing pretty well in high school that don't necessarily fit the bill that want to go big time, and they probably should. They probably do need to go to a smaller school because let's figure, you force your way into a school and you don't fit the dimensions. You force your way in there. You talk your you talk a coach into offering you a scholarship and you commit and they take you. Trust me, if their M.O. really is to go recruit by size and speed, every year they're recruiting over your head. So you snuck in there as the five foot nine wide receiver, but... You know, history has shown they like six-foot guys. The next recruiting class, they're going to get six-foot guys in there. And they're going to be in the locker room with you. And that's who you're going to be battling against. And unless you really go off, six-foot-one, six-foot-two guy is probably going to be It's going to be hard for you to hold him off of the depth chart. It's going to be hard for you to stay ahead of him on the depth chart. And when you do get your opportunities, as they will be limited, you better make the most of them. You better shine. You better make plays. So that's a lot of pressure. And sure, I'm all for pressure because, you know, your adult life is going to be pressure. But nevertheless, please understand that part of it. Let me head out to the phone lines and see if I've got a question here or if someone's just listening to the show. Caller, you on the Gridiron Stud Show. Do you have a question for me tonight? All right, apparently not. Just someone listening to the show here. Uh, There's another issue I wanted to bring up here. You know, I talked to Bill Green about, you know, how we don't have that many Ohio kids in the top 50 this year. I think the most I've noticed on any of the three major lists was was three, uh, as opposed to Florida where you've got 12 in Texas or California. I think you got 11 from California. You know, that's the kind of the numbers breakdown. Granted, Florida, obviously, and California, bigger states, but still, four to one. And so I'm starting to wonder, with the emphasis now moving from the actual playing of football during the season and the off-season stuff in the summer and spring becoming a bigger deal, well, is that kind of changing the evaluations? I mean, you know, these guys in the north, in Michigan and New Jersey and Ohio State, in the state of Ohio, they're not they're not involved in the whole seven on seven thing. They don't really get into that until summertime. 
So how much are they being evaluated during those times? How much are they being evaluated? How much are they seen? And now does that change the the dynamic in terms of those guys being more highly recruited, more highly regarded, as opposed to kids in Florida and Texas and California who are involved in, you know, heavy off-season seven-on-seven and camp stuff? How fair is that? Listen, if you're down here, you've noticed that there have been people who, uh, and and it's happening more and more, that have migrated, parents who, you know, closed up shop in Ohio and New Jersey and New York and those places and have moved down here to Florida specifically to get their kids in some of the more notable schools in the state of Florida. And this wasn't like, you know, a job move. It wasn't like the factory closed in Michigan. No, they specifically moved down here to get a kid into a school for football reasons. And so, you know, are they possibly seeing what I'm talking about here, that uh, having your kid down here in Florida and going to camps and playing in seven-on-seven starting in January, uh, does that increase his opportunities in terms of being a big-time recruit and then going to things like the Under Armour All-Star Game, the Army All-American Game, and the opening where, you know, your recruiting stock can fly even higher? Are we going to start to see less and less kids in the top 100 from Ohio and from Michigan and from New Jersey in these cold-weather states? And are we going to start to see more of a big pileup of Florida, Texas, and California kids? Now, I'm telling you from a business standpoint, and this upsets people down here in the state of Florida. I know that for a fact. They get mad about it when they see kids from some of these other areas, Indiana and all these other places being ranked highly. And I try to explain to them, like, listen, Rivals, Scout.com, 247 Sports, they're a business. So they can't go and fill their top 100 with all kids from Florida, California, and Texas. They're going to alienate their subscribers in the north. And let's I'm willing to bet that if you took a look at, if they were to open their books, so to speak, I think more of their paying customers probably come from those areas of the country. I'm willing to bet they come from New York and New Jersey and Michigan and Ohio. You folks down south, I don't know if you're paying for that kind of stuff. They've got that cash up there up north, and they want to know about these things. And so when they keep going through those lists, and there are no kids from their area, do they lose that revenue? So, it, you know, think about it from that business standpoint. That's a possibility. So, yeah, probably if you just did it pure on talent and all that, you could fill up 100 lists with California, Texas, and Florida. But from a business standpoint, and you got to take the best kids out of you got to take some of the best kids out of Virginia and put them in that list. Let me not forget Georgia also. Sorry you Georgia folks, I don't need y'all jumping down my throat. But uh there's a business involved here with this rankings too. So, Let's not lose sight of that. Let's see if we got a call out here. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Do you have a question for us? Yeah, I got a, a son who's a quarterback here in the state of Florida, and I had a few questions. Sure. Well, I'm I'm from the state of Ohio, and the state of Ohio, whether you know or not, it sounds like you've got your fingers on the pulse of this stuff, has more cities per capita with 50,000 people or more than any state in the country. But those mm-hmm. kids don't play year-round football. They go to basketball, mm-hmm. then they wrestle, then they go to track, then they go to baseball. So they're chopped up all year long where kids in Florida, of course, are playing year-round. And I moved my son down here. But recently I sent my son on a, 
um, one of these summer football camps, you know, where you spend 700 bucks and then the head football coach mm-hmm. of a Division One school comes out and waves his hand, acts like he's doing something, he collects the money, mm-hmm. and, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I sent my son up there, and he came back with a story that, that uh, he had been molested, and one of the coaches had put his finger in his butthole and then started to fondle his balls. Is this normal? Hello? Why? Do I get these calls? I mean, this guy was on hold. <laughs> he was on hold for all this time to say something that stupid. Well, nevertheless, hopefully that guy doesn't really have a kid. Hopefully he is not laid down with another woman and procreated and is not responsible for another child. That's We can only hope. We can only hope on those things. Nevertheless, getting back to uh, the real discussion at hand, um, I'm wondering if that's a trend that we're going to start to see here. And now there's going to be that battle of the business model of trying to keep all of your regions entertained, interested in your top list, uh, as opposed to also trying to keep that list as pure as possible with the best athletes. You know, that's going to be the whole thing that we're going to see going on going forward here as, um, you know, before this guy got stupid on me, you are seeing that. It's probably the only part of his phone call that you know made any kind of sense. But uh, you get guys that'll move their kids down from Ohio and New Jersey and and Michigan and all these other places. Sure, I mean they also want to flee the cold, so it's a chance for them to do that early, perhaps retire early or whatever. Uh, a lot of them though are still working, and they just try and find work down here while they get their kid to school down here because they're seeing the opportunities. And get my kid on one of these seven-on-seven teams that I hear about that play down here in Florida. And that means college coaches are going to be seeing them in January and February and March and April when they would not be doing that if I was back in the cold-weather state. Me personally, I like to, and I guess you can call me old school, I like for these kids to finish the football season and then go play basketball and then go run track or play baseball. And and do you know that's been a big part? That's been a big another big issue that's been coming up. And they've been asking NFL players about it. What do you think about uh, round you know round the year training and you know specialization in one sport? And you know most of these NFL guys, if not all of them, will tell you they would prefer if these young kids would go play other sports. You develop. Other muscles, you develop other skills that can you can now come and apply back to the sport of football. But it, you know, those days are quickly going away. As you know, a lot of these coaches don't want to see their kids going away in the off season. They want to have an eye on them and be coaching them year round. So when the football season's over, I got them on my seven on seven team, and I've got them all year long. I've got eyes on them all year long. For some of these coaches down here in, in the state of Florida, if you're not watching your kid all year long, um, and you're not in contact with them. That kid could come in with a transcript request at any moment and telling you, I'm out of here, I'm going somewhere else. So, you know, part of that is they're scared to death. Let's head out to the phone lines and hope we've got a legit caller here. Caller, you're on a good iron schedule. Caller, you're on a good iron schedule. Caller, you there? Caller, you there? All right, apparently not. But, uh, yeah, that's that's another part of the dynamic also is – uh, coaches wanting to have eyes on their player all year long, whether that is 
A, to develop them, or B, just to be sure I can see my kid all year long and keep in touch with him, and I don't have a coach from rival school trying to pull my kid over to their school. That's a big thing that goes on down here. I don't know how it is in other parts of the country. I'm not sure how that goes. But I'm telling you, that's a big deal down here. With all the transfers going on, you've got a lot of coaches, particularly ones at the public schools, that are scared to death during the off season that they're going to lose their players because it's a dog-eat-dog world out here. It really is. So if you're not seeing that kid, and if you don't see Johnny for three, four weeks straight, worst thing in the world is when you find out he's made a, a request to get his official transcripts and now he's moved on to the school across town. But this kind of stuff here is preventing kids from playing other sports. They're not playing basketball. They're not playing baseball. You know, a lot of them not running track. They're opting to go play seven-on-seven. So that's a discussion we could probably hop on on later shows. Let me head back out to the phone lines again. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Hello. Yes. Yeah, um, hey, man, I appreciate your show. I know you had some, some crazy callers before, but I got a real question for you. Um, sure. I was looking at the um, at the rankings for the high schools, and mm-hmm. um, I wondered if what you were talking about in terms of, um, you know, needing that national market, um, you know, as far as uh, these ranking services, if you think that bleeds over into how they actually rank the high schools also. Um, and I guess the point I was looking at is uh, you have a one-loss team in South Florida that basically gets dropped down to the 40s, uh, and then mm-hmm. you got, like, let's say DeMatha, who just mm-hmm. lost to a non-rated team, uh, mm-hmm. and both of them end up in the top 15. Uh, so yeah. I just found it really, yeah, man, I mean, it's crazy. And I just, you know, I'm looking at them like, man, there's a real sort of bias almost against uh, South Florida teams. I guess they're tired of hearing about how great we play down here. Uh, so I well, wanted to yeah, hear your uh, thoughts on that, man. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll give you my thoughts on it. Uh, those those ranking lists kind of work like I was talking about with the with the actual players on the top 100 list. Um, a place right. like Max Preps, you've got to understand, has a – they have a business. They've got subscribers from all parts of the country. So if their top 25 list consists of Florida, Texas, California, how interested is are the folks in New Jersey and Michigan and Ohio going to be in Max Preps? So they have to keep them interested. That's number one. Uh, another right. thing, too, is a lot of these – rankings are controlled by the number of top-level recruits in the country on a team. And the way that works is recruiting drives this whole thing, the whole high school, college football thing. So the longer I can keep XYZ school with six Division One highly recruited kids on the team, the longer I can keep them in the top 25 and keep them relevant, the more I can get people coming to get information on on this particular team. So DeMatha has a number of highly recruited kids, and they are a good football team. Let me say that. But I'm just using them as an example here since you brought them right, up. Right, for sure. They have a number of highly, yeah, they have a number of highly recruited kids. So it's in the best interest for someone like Max Preps or USA Today to keep them in the rankings and continue writing stories about the team as well as those players because that's what people want to see. And everything's controlled by clicks now since we're so digital. So if I've got DeMatha at number 15 as opposed to number 30 outside of my list, um, I, I have a good chance of people coming here and clicking on stories and trying to find out more and more about 
the math as opposed to putting in um, just some school that people don't really know about. And that's not fair. Uh, it's the reason why you're here. Places like St. Thomas always in the list. Uh, DeMatha always in the list um, because they're well-known. They're identifiable outside of their areas of the country. And so you're going to get more people coming there and clicking on the articles and, 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 and seeing the ads and so on and so forth. At the end of the day, you do have to remember the business aspect when it comes to ranking, whether that's schools or it's players and, and stuff. That, and that's what it is. At the end of the day, it's a business, as they say. So, For sure. Uh, that's, that's how that works. So I appreciate the call and, and the uh, great question. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. All right. So that's how that works. I mean, money rules this thing. Uh, you know, I've been railing on the media here for the last couple of months, but, you know, it just boils down to how can I get you to click? How can I get you to click on a link and read a story? So if I tell you something uh, is involving a player at DeMatha, you're going to click it. If I tell you it's um, involving a kid at Pine Valley School in, you know, some corner part of North Dakota, you're not clicking it. That's just the long and short of it. And so uh, we're controlled by clicks. It's basically how that whole thing works. Sad but true. And that's just the world that we live in. So when you're out there and you're getting ready to get mad about why so-and-so is not recruited in the top 100 or he's not listed in the top 100 rankings or uh, my son's school is not in the top 25 in the country and they only have one loss by three points to so-and-so, do understand the business aspect of it. These guys are in the in the business of selling subscriptions and uh selling ads. And if it doesn't if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. And that's really how that whole thing works. So don't take any of that stuff personal. Just tell your kid to keep on grinding. And uh we grinded it out here. We had uh six of the best reporters around the country talking college football recruiting. We were able to touch a couple of good issues here and uh, able to get a couple of good calls in here and one more on. And uh, if you only get one more on, that's a good show. And uh, I want to thank you all for listening to it. Just a programming note, the Gridiron Stud Show typically airs weekdays at 10 a.m. We'll be on tomorrow, and uh, we'll have some college football and NFL talk. We'll be talking Florida State and Florida Gators as we preview their matchups coming up this weekend. We'll touch a little bit on some high school football. And then don't forget Football Friday. You can't miss Football Friday as we get you ready for all of the action, whether it's high school football, college football, or NFL. I also have my co-host on with me, Emil Calamino, and we make picks. We have predictions on Friday. So you can't miss the Football Friday. Again, it's 10 a.m. weekdays, Gridiron Stud Show. Lock us in. Come join us. And if you love the Gridiron Stud Show and you like what we're doing here, bring a friend. The more the merrier. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy the rest of your night. See you guys tomorrow. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.